The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Shaken and Stirred. My co-host is sticking his tongue out at me, which is not unusual because he normally tries to wind me up when I wind into a new Shaken and Stirred. Hi, guys. It's ra- I'm rather excited. There's a lot of new things happening in the world right now. We have uh, a new government in the United States, and I think everyone is both excited and terrified at the same time. Pandemics raging, podcasts roaring, and uh, cocktails flowing. You can't be more terrified than with the last guy who was in there. I mean, crikey. Well, no, I know, right? Trump that, people. Um, here we are. We, we're going to try and trump it, aren't we? Uh, Tom, Tom Astor, my co-host, all the way from Oxford with his grandfather clock behind him. How are you, Tom? Hi, Nigel. I'm really well, thanks. We're just, you know, once again, we've been saying the same thing for about a year now. Uh, we're in lockdown in England. They can't seem to figure it out. You know, our government don't know what they're doing. We're all locked down. We're, I gather speaking to uh, LA earlier that they're in a stay, they have stay-at-home orders. I'm not sure if that's the same thing as a lockdown. But anyway, sitting here, a bit later than where you are, storm pounding the windows, rain coming down the, the panes of glass. And very excited to talk to our guest today, who my son, my 11-year-old son and I, have been researching and watching for a lot of the afternoon. And my son especially actually said that he was, he was quite keen on, if possible, saying hi to our guest. And I said, why do you want to say hi? And, and he said, Vince, my son said, I just want to tell him what a great shot he is. That still hasn't given anything away. It could be anything. So it's interesting. We've had a lot of interesting guests on Shaken and Stirred. And you're right. Funnily enough, our guest today resonates not just with our demographic, but <laughs> with all demographics, because my son, Jack, as well, simultaneously, last night was said, oh, I know him. And then it turns out he's like, he actually follows his particular show, his YouTube show. So that was rather exciting for me because quite norm- normally, you know, Jack is like, who? I've never heard of that person. You know, and I'm like, well, they're very famous. They've done all kinds of movies, written books. He's like, well, whatever. I don't know who that person is. Finally, he was like, ah, I know. So, Tom, has a moment arrived that we are finally with our finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist of the day? I don't know. I feel like we should perhaps, you know. No, I think finally we've wound up interviewing children's YouTube role models. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But I I believe he knows a thing or two about brewing. And so that and can, I, can I interrupt as well? Because he's obviously going to listen to this later on. And I mean, meant no disrespect by what I just said about being a role model for, because actually he is a, I found watching his stuff, this guy is a, is a, is a role model in so many ways. I found him to be fascinating. And actually, kind of, I was like looking at what he's doing, thinking I need to be a little bit more like this. But anyway, sorry, carry on. Wow, that's, that, that is actually some, some rather strange introspection from Mr. Astor right there, who clearly has not turned his phone off and put it on silence, even though I asked him to before we even started the podcast. Alarm. The alarm, of course, the alarm. Yes, the alarm. Forget about the phone ringing. The alarm goes off because that's what you do. You set an alarm in the middle of a podcast. Um, so it, was to anyway. remind me that it was to remind me that I had a podcast. There you go. During it, once it started. Everyone, you see, this is what I'm dealing with. This is why we need a drink. Tom, what are you drinking, by the way? In, in homage to our guest this evening, I'm drinking something that... Am I allowed to give away what... what... Yes, give it away. Give whatever you want away. In the spirit of the hunter... I am drinking something that is drunk on hunts on, I'm talking about wild bird hunts and, and things in England. 
in the winter months when it's cold, we tend to take along with us a little tipple if it gets too cold. And also, if you're not shooting well, it's a good idea to have a little tipple. If you are shooting well, I'm talking about guns, then it's a good idea to not have a tipple, I've learned over the years. And I'm, I'm drinking something called, it's homemade damson gin. And it's a, you don't have huge quantities of it. I hold it up for those people who are listening on their radio so they can't see. It's basically the fruit of the damson tree, which is normally very bitter if you pick it off the tree. You pick them in late autumn, early winter. It's a bit like the slow berry. Best to pick them once you've had the foot, they've been frosted. They've had the first frost. You pick them, you prick them with a pin. You put them in a bottle, you add gin, you add sugar, and then you essentially put the bottle away in the cupboard. And about every sort of two or three months, you go and shake the bottle up and then put them back. And then you drink this and you can have three or four years worth of supply of it. And the older, the, the longer you leave it to sit with the berries in the bottle, the better it tastes. Anyway, it's a homemade, so it's a homemade, basically it's gin, damson gin. I mean, it doesn't get simpler than that, right? Doesn't get simpler than that. And you know what? Once again, we've done something very similar. The colour of my gin that I'm drinking is because I've decided to... I got one of these rather lovely bottles from Ransom um, who make really great sort of classic traditional recipes for whiskies and gins and what have you. And this particular Ransom is Ransom Old Tom Gin. And for those of you who are sort of gin aficionados, you'll know about Old Tom Gin, but it's sort of the historically accurate gin, which was predominant during the 1800s. And it was during the sort of golden age of American cocktails. And the recipe for it, is, it has the color because it takes the color from the casks that it was made from. And it's also, it has a sort of a subtle maltiness that's the result of a, a base water of malted, malted barley uh, combined with an infusion of botanicals. And it's made with corn spirits. And it's a uh, it's interesting because there's been a, a proliferation of gin all around the world, but specifically these old school gins where, you know, when you think of a gin, you always think of a clear liquid. You don't think of something that looks brown like a whiskey. Uh, and this gin is because it takes that color from the casks and is absolutely delicious. And I've made an old Tom Martinez, which is two parts of this ransom old Tom, uh, one part sweet vermouth and a dash of orange bitters stirred, not shaken, and I put an orange twist in there. So cheers, Tom. Cheers. Chin chin. Mm. Mm. I'm very delicious. Absolutely delicious. And we have a really, really fabulous guest this week, who, by all accounts, you know, forget about shaken and stirred. He has his own show on YouTube, but unlike most our guests, where the rest of my family have no idea who they are, and sort of Tom and I have dug them up from some rock somewhere, and we're like, these are our friends. <laughs> Our guest today is well known by our entire family. In fact, both our sons were like, we know this guy, we like this guy, we follow him. And, and finally, I was getting some street cred. So here, without further ado, our guest today is a chef whose super successful YouTube show, It's Alive with Brad, takes us on a trip to experience everything from kombucha to compost and even makes beer. In fact, if it's alive, Brad Leone, is all about it. Welcome to Shaken and Stirred, Brad. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, Nigel, Tom, thank you. And I know that was probably that was the kindest introduction I've ever I've ever gotten in my life. Thank you very much. Uh, there yeah, you no, go. it's um, I do. I, I so yeah, I do. I like I like to ferment a bunch of things. And you know, as far as uh, being the chef goes, or something, I don't you know, I don't cook for restaurants or anything. I have before, but you know, nowadays it's it's more just you know storytelling through video and 
and podcasts or something, you know, it's a, you know, I've, I've guested on a bunch of them and I really enjoy the process. And, and one day, you know, I like to tinker with my own as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Already trying to move in on our territory, Tom. I mean, if oh, it's not absolutely. bad enough that he's got a successful YouTube show, all of a sudden now he's trying to podcast. But before we get there, what are you drinking, bro? Oh, great. Excellent. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, you guys are cocktail guys, right? So what I've been drinking, my uh, poison of choice lately has been Mezcal. And I've been doing this little, this this is a cute little uh, little drink here. And I learned about it from some folks down in Texas. And they call it ranch water down there. And so it's basically a topo. Uh, I pronounce it incorrectly all, all the time. I'm sorry. Uh, do you guys curse on this podcast? I'm sorry. You may. Foul mouth. You have, yes. So. You have, you, I mean, I personally don't, but other people do all the time. I'll okay. do my best not to. No, no, please. Okay. Go by all means. All right. Well, uh, Tapo Chico, however you say it. And then you put an ounce or two of mezcal in it and the juice of one lime. And uh, it's like a little spritzy kind of uh, mezcal margarita. It's, it's, it's delightful. And, uh, but you call it ranch water. Well, I'm not just, I, didn't, I do, but I, I didn't invent that. Uh, and I'm not sure if it started in Texas or maybe down in Mexico. This is a, you know, a Mexican seltzer, sparkling water of sorts. So maybe it, maybe it started down there with the you know, mezcal it being a very Mexican spirit. But I learned about it from some friends in Texas and uh, about a year ago. And it's kind of, you know, I, don't get me wrong, I go... I used to drink a lot of whiskey, but not much anymore, man. Mezcal wine and, uh, you know, occasional beer, you know, fuck it. Fuck it. Absolutely. You know, why not? And, and I bet Ranch Water, I think they could do a lot better <laughs> with the name. I mean, I'm, you know, being hey. a marketing guy, I'm like, I'm not quite sure that Ranch Water is really attitude, Nigel. Trust bad me. Attitude. I, think, <laughs> I think Ranch Water is absolutely genius. I mean, if well, you drink you, enough of you, it, you would drink anything, though, Tom. I yeah, mean, but you drink enough of it. Then I mean, you probably only need like three or four glasses before you actually think it's think it probably is water anyway, right? I mean, you just I don't know if you guys uh, if you guys mess around. Well, cheers, by the way. I'm gonna take a little cheers. sip, but I, I don't know if you guys mess around with with mezcal much. Love mezcal, love, love tequila, love love all you know mezcals and what have you. So big, big fan. In fact, probably my go-to. So we're all over the world right now. Where are you right now? Where in the world are you at this moment? I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Union City, New Jersey. Okay, is that home? It's currently, at the moment, um, I'm looking. We're gonna be we're gonna be pretty close to closing on a home. We're gonna be moving from the area, uh, you know, a little bit north of here, uh, in up into Connecticut, coastal Connecticut. Just a good move for me and my family and stuff. But yeah, I grew up in New Jersey and working in the city and stuff. You know. Uh, so it's been uh, Brooklyn or, you know, and now here we had a couple of kids and now we're in Union City, New Jersey. You know, it's fine. It's great. I, you know, but it's, you know, it's it's just kind of. Uh, I'm looking forward, Brad. I'm looking forward to trying trying to work out the kind of line between watching your channel with my son earlier and especially the shooting stuff and how you grew up shooting with your father. But were you born in New Jersey? Well, technically, Tom, I was born in uh, Warwick, New York, which is a. Uh, you know, a pretty good stone's throw from the border of New Jersey. It was the closest hospital to when my mom was like, oh, shit, we're having a baby. You know, so we actually went to New York's. But but I was born, you know, I was raised in uh, right back over the line there in New Jersey. And then it was always just a fun relationship between both. I do love that New Jersey a aspect to you, though. I mean, I, to be honest with you, you, you have, I like to say that, you know, certain times people change on television or they change when they make shows or they, they start to develop a character. But you, you know, from what everything I've looked at, everything I've seen, 
you're the very, very down to earth and you're exactly the same way now with us and just in the way you are on your show and everything else. You're just kind of like very much there doing your thing, enjoying and experiencing things in real time. And I think that's a large part of why you bring the audience along with you. Uh, can you tell yeah. us, what you, you know, you, you've got this show. It's, it's, it's obviously clearly doing very well. It's connected with Bon Appetit. In fact, it's, I believe it's their show, right? That they produced it. It's, it's, become, it's really come alive because of you. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, no pun intended. But what, when when was your fascination with all things alive? When did that start? When did this fermentation and, and, and all the rest? When did that start? Started to come alive when you know it wasn't just you know me as you know the host and the creator of the the recipes and the projects. And then there's you know the editing team and the camera people. And you know it takes a little a bit of a village to turn just you know yapping yapping Brad into a cohesive. Uh, video for as of now but um you know so like so that's really cool and that really helped with the you know the growth of it of course organically and then uh, you know fermentation kind of started you know i didn't grow up my parents didn't grow up doing it or nothing but it really kind of started at bone appetit in the test kitchen there when i was the test kitchen manager really before video even started the kind of before it was a thing there and then yeah and then we started i started tinkering around with kombucha and, and you know some sauerkraut or you know some maybe getting into some miso or something just like you know some fermentations and stuff like that some projects and i, I had always had a little nook going back then so i had a little spot to do some stuff and uh and then yeah and then that's where i kind of went down the rabbit hole of fermentation and and a rabbit hole it is in what capacity is it a rabbit hole i mean i guess like it's one of those things where it sounds a bit funny. Like it's, it's you hear fermentation, even with alcohol. Clearly, though, you know it's all it's, it all comes from fermentation. It's not people sort of separate themselves from the process, right? And even with and I guess with cooking and and you go to a restaurant, you don't really necessarily know about the process behind what makes something. Even and obviously kombucha comes along and people start to talk about it within that drink. It's, it's almost something that makes that drink special, right? Yet there are so many things when you start to look into it that have an aspect of it being alive or it being fermented or, you know, and it's actually, you realize it's a large part of the story of so much of what we eat, right? So oh, yeah. is that, was that a part of, 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 the, of the sort of genesis of this, of this whole concept of like, okay, let's educate the public? Well, yeah, and educate myself, you know? So like, I, I it's something, like I said, I, yeah, I didn't grow up doing it. And like, as I started to learn about it, like you were mentioning, it kind of, you do see that it is kind of, it touches into a lot of things and it's really kind of like the, the, the foundation and the, uh, of like umami, I think, you know, which is that like, you know, that, that depth of flavor, you know, that like next flavor. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it just kind of, I mean, it led me down that and then like something like as simple as uh, a drink or beer or, you know, uh, you'd be surprised how many things are involved in fermentation, right? So, so yeah, so that's kind of neat. And then it's just nice to be able to do like just a you know, much more simpler. It's, you know, it's the original refrigerator, basically, you know, it was just, it's very old, just became popular again, but you know, technology kind of choked it out for a while. Right. You know, having boxes, you could put shit in all day, you know, whatever and freeze them and whatever, you know, but like back in the day, they didn't have to, they didn't have that, you know, I don't have to tell you guys, so, like, you know, they would put salt on things and then ferment them and they probably found out by accident, you know, and let something out and it started to bubble and shit and some knucklehead ate it, you know, and it, ah, it was good or something or they got drunk. I don't know, you know. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, fermentation, like it's, if you really go down that rabbit hole, it's like it's I think it's super embedded in humans, you know, and probably into our 
or survival, you know, I, I think. Today at lunch, I had a toad in the hole. And I would, we would, I was eating, sitting there eating it. It's a toad in the hole, bud. It's like a, do you have toad? I don't know if you have toad in the hole in America. It's like sausages in a sort of, it's in a suet. It's basically a sort of like a Yorkshire pudding with sausages in it. And it's called, for some odd reason, Toad in the Hole. Yes, yeah, one of the yeah. classic English meals well, is one of the reasons why we're on the, the culinary, you know. No, it sounds delightful. There's an American version that's not so hot. Uh, yeah, classic English dish, which with the sausages are in the batter, and then you put it in the oven, and then the batter rises. But it's Toad in the Hole because that's because toads generally. You know, if you look at toads when they're kind of hunting and sitting there, they basically hunt out, they sit in holes, right? So that, that is that is actually why it's called. Cool. Anyway, that wasn't the point of my story, Nigel. What do you mean? Are you hunting toads now? What are you talking about? When toads are hunting, what I'm talking about, anyway, the point of my story was after lunch um, or towards the end, I said, oh, there's one of those sausages. I was like, we use the same sausages for, the, for, you know, if we put the same batch of sausages in it. And my girlfriend was there and she said, no, we use two different types of sausages. And I went, I'm not sure one of those sausages didn't taste that good and she turned around and said yeah it tastes like it started fermenting a little bit hmm. a little tangy a little funky a little a little funky a little fermenting i was like okay a little like you don't mess around with sausages so we then spent the next three hours this is why this is ferment my the only fermentation story i have happened today actually and you know we then spent the next three four hours just she was sitting there going oh i don't feel too good and i was going it's totally psychosomatic it's fine you know it's not no, but Tom, Tom, something tells me, something tells me that Brad's show is not about food poisoning, right? It's fermentation is, night. You know, the fact that your girlfriend made you off Toad in the Hole is not the concept behind Alive with Brad Leone. I'm just saying that fermentation is obviously it's an unavoidable consequence of time yeah. and material, right? I mean, yeah. And, and fermented sausages can be a beautiful thing. Uh, did, did you, wait, just to be clear, did you guys get sick? Did anyone actually get sick? Or no, was it just, no, we're fine. No. Yeah, absolutely fine. Mate, with the amount of fermented. alcohol, the amount of alcohol he drinks, it's impossible to actually get him sick. So it's one of those things where literally COVID comes along and, and he kills COVID because of, you know, it's like 100% proof. But anyway. Yeah, you know, like the, you can, they probably just needed to ferment for a few more days. They would have gotten better. I've, I've fermented some sausages, but they got a little tangy and funky. And, you know, you can even put some rice in there or even maybe a little cooked shrimp. And, you know, things getting a little sugar, give it a little, little more fuel to do get a little funky. And uh, it's a thing, man. You know, like I said, it's an old, most of that stuff is, is old, you know, good charcuteries are basically kind of salted and, you know, you get some growth on there. So it's, I don't know. I guess technically you know, a lot of them are some type of fermentation or good good salamis back in the day. I know they used to like ferment the meat, get it tangy and I grew up getting going being sent out to go and get a pail of milk from my dairy. We had a dairy. So I'd go and get the milk and come back and we'd, you know, and it was warm when we got it. It was unpasteurized, warm milk straight from the mm. cow. And I swear to God, I mean I don't suffer from allergies, I don't have hay fever, I don't have it. And also to get touch wood, I don't I haven't in my life been prone to getting getting sick and I really do think that, that it had quite a lot to do with actually being around that kind of you know germs I mean it's what you're talking about is that what you're talking about when you're talking about sort of fermentation and, and then you know it's it's all the sort of part of the same process right yeah just micro microorganisms you know uh, things that are starting to break down and decay and eat and give off different acids and whatever's you know and and tenderize and add flavors uh so yeah, and then at the same time, that's when you can get into the probiotic helps. And so what you were getting probably was just like growing up with 
know, with raw milk and some people say, I mean, compare it to like uh, a human's breast milk, right? There's, and like, listen, I'm no scientist. I, I really don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But like, I mean, you guys are talking about credibility. I don't have too much other than just curiosity. And, you know, I get, I drink a little bit and maybe get high or something. But like the curiosity of like, well, with human breast milk, the, it's why it's like the perfect food, right? And it has like, there's even like, an, like, natural antibiotics and like why kids they like prevent kids from getting sick so like maybe you know maybe like you know drinking raw milk good quality clean raw milk like that was it is really good for you you know it's hard to, in the states it's like i think it's like illegal in most you know states or something crazy most things that tom does are illegal actually so you know right. don't be shocked by that at all and you know and it's, it's it's in large part why he's actually still alive today is because of all the illegal things that he's consumed and uh he's sort of managed to get through through it all um <laughs> what you saying i'm pickled well that's like pickling is another form of sort of, that form it, of, form of exactly any kind of pickling and fermentation tom i think you are literally right. king of pickled yeah i think the booze booze pickle us a little bit more so talk to me about, you know, clearly this pandemic has changed a lot of things, but what it's also yeah. brought out people who are into fermentation on a level that we've never seen before. In, in as much as I remember trying to go out and buy yeast sort of mid, middle of last year and simply for love or money, no matter where you went on, the, you know, Amazon or anywhere else, you simply couldn't buy yeast, right? People were baking up a storm. Sourdough has taken over the world, it seems. Even my yeah. wife has multiple starters when we never baked before in our life. And now she's yeah. baking like this left, right, and center. Even our, one of our starters has a, has a name. It's called Mahildra, for God's sakes. And the thing gets fed better than I do. I mean, wh wh what's happened to people as far as they've sort of become, why would people get absolutely consumed by this sort of baking and, and what have you at a time like this? Why do you think? I think it's always been in you know it's always been in there people always wanted to do it and usually i think people found life or job or commuting and monday through five friday got in the way most of the time so people having more time i think allowed that to come out you know i was talking to someone today my, my brother's a farmer we both got farmers i was talking to him this morning about production and trying to get it out to the local community and trying to do more local stuff. And um, we were talking about this bread maker who gave up his life in a city at the beginning of the last lockdown for a simple kind of quiet life. Thought he'd come down to the local town and start baking, funnily enough, sourdough. And he came down and thought he'd do a little kind of craft business, you know, on the side, keep him busy, you know. And the guy's making 4,000 loaves um, a week or something, or, you know, and, and he, his business has just, it's exploded. And obviously, that's not people sitting at home baking. That's got more to do with the fact that people are, um, I think, as you, as you said, Brad, you know, nine to five gets in the way, right? Most people are out all day. They're doing this. They go buy a sort of sandwich somewhere or get some food off a street vendor or, the, you know, and don't actually sit down and think about what they're eating and, and you know, how they can eat. And, and I think, as, as, um, to ask you a question, has your popularity during... I mean, we've been locked down, but during this pandemic, has your popularity and your your relevance in the subject that you deal with has it increased dramatically? No, <laughs> no, not not really. I, uh, I guess it depends uh, how you measure it. <laughs> Mine has grown enormously. On the other hand, I've skyrocketed throughout the pandemic. It's shocking, Brad. So, I mean, have you found that your programs like or, or, or not, or is it not relevant to what's going? I mean, yeah. 
you know, COVID, and you mentioned COVID before, that's kind of really made a lot of things really difficult as well. Just, you know, as far as travel and storytelling, you know, it's just like Zoom and, you know, like having this conversation, just the three of us, if we are doing it in person, you know, we, we all know it'd be a much different experience, right? So like having things limited to, to these kinds of things, it's challenging. But um, so like, yeah, so like it's my popularity, you know, it, it's maintained, you know, because I have my own, like you're mentioning, like I, I have my own strong brand and personality and passion and knowledge and interest in certain topics that, you know, help carry me out, you know, no matter what. And then working with Bon Appetit, you know, we'll, I think we'll, like I said, we're making some of the best videos I think we've ever made. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the, what the future holds. I mean, I, I recently watched your one on compost and I also uh, watched your one. <laughs> Wait, what is, what, what, which one? Would you call it compost? Is that how you say it? Compost, we say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, toad in the hole is all I got to say to you. But um, <laughs> no, but as so I watched your one on compost, right, and yeah. and also on, on the oyster shells, and cool. one of the things I was noticing, I mean, which is obviously very challenging these days, is of course you're everyone's wearing masks, right? Yeah. So yeah. people are the face mask on. So you're watching a show, people are talking and and they're trying to communicate. And of course, you've got no lip movement and you've, you can't even really see their faces other than their eyes. You've got people sort of gesticulating with masks on. Very, very tough. Is, have you found that to be particularly difficult? And has that really changed the whole dynamic of communication when you're on set with people? I mean, the dynamic, I mean, it's, I can still have the same conversation for the most part. It's just, it's just kind of annoying, right? You know, but like, if that's the worst thing, if, if just a little annoyance will help, you know. The but I say, but annoying is one thing, Brad. But I mean, I also, you know, worked on television for years and what have you. And there's, there's no doubt that the camera, for example, and a good camera operator will move into someone's face to look at the nuances to how they're re reacting, right. emotional sure. different things, right? So, it's, so for that, I mean, when I'm watching your show, I'm listening to what you're saying, and luckily, because just because of how, and that's why I was saying at the beginning of the show. There's something about you and your personality that is, is incredibly real, right? And it's—I don't mean to be full of shit because it's, when you say things like that, it sounds like, well, what does that even mean? Because everyone's like, oh, we're all real. But when you put a pointed camera at someone, almost anybody, even a still camera, they tend to behave or they have a, a way of behaving. Oh, or there's yeah, like just... a, it's like a trained sort of like, oh, here's my. Even when people look in the mirror, for goodness sakes, people have a mirror face, right? Oh they yeah, do... I've seen all. Yep, all types right. of people get so, them being the most talkative person to a clam. You know, right? Well, you don't do that. You don't. Yeah. So you 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 very much is as if nothing changed. We got if... one gear, Nigel. It's fucking Brad, baby, and you right. know, and, I, and that's you know, and that's it. So. so my point is, is that I can tell with you how you are, but but everyone else on the show. You know, and again, it depends. They may have been that way regardless, but the mask doesn't help, right? So, so as far as like all of a sudden they're talking like this and you can, yes, you can hear their words and everything, but you have no idea where, you know, really their emotion other than their eyes, right? So unless they're really emotive and unless the, and if you go up with the camera, it's like big face mask. So I was just curious whether that might also play into the issues yeah. with creating a show that's successful. For sure. It's, I mean, to be honest, the biggest challenge now related to COVID is more, corporate restrictions regarding travel and like like it's almost like impossible to do anything right now it's because like there's so many for good reasons i don't you know i there's just so many precautions and restrictions and certain things that we just can't do like even that oyster or um uh, that oyster or the compost episode like i don't even know if they if currently like the what's happening with the the rules and regulations it's just constantly changing so fast and so often 
it's just, yeah, it's just been difficult to, to be able to go. There's so many beautiful stories to tell and so many things that I want to, I got, if I could just be, if it was just masks, fine, but it's just like, it's all the other uh, problems that come along with it. Well, well, good on you. Good on you for making the show. I mean, I, I do think I loved it actually. I really, you know, I, I thought, you know, it's one of those I things do. where you're like, okay, I, I got to do my research on some aspects of his new shows. Cause that, you know, and I, I started watching it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll clip through this show. And then I just sat there and watched the whole damn thing. So, you know, right. that's a good thing. That's a great move. No, it's great. And it was really informative. And I was like, I kept thinking like, I, I know I've got to do a lot of other stuff. And I'm like, well, now I'm interested. And I just sat there and was like, oh, good, I, I didn't, I didn't know that about compost. I didn't know that about, you know, how the process and the machinery that was used and, you know, right. the crazy weird tractors that wrap around the compost. Like, yeah. what is that thing? You know, like, it was so cool. Insane. Right? So insane. So insane. I know, it's, it, it's amazing. And, you know, and like, that's what's, that's what I really love the most is being able, cause like I'm learning at the same time too. And like, that's part of like, I think why it's so fun uh, as well, because like, you know, I do some research, uh, of course, you know, but like, I don't go like crazy research and look up all the machinery. So like going there and seeing that thing and just genuinely being, you know, surprised by that. And, you know, there's, there's 10,000 different stories you could be told like that, you know? And like, so like, that's, I, I, and I love doing it and I love meeting people and then hearing what they, you know what they do and it's and what's great is there's so many avenues just like compost or or restaurant oyster shells going back to build reefs in new york harbor you know how much of it ties back to food uh so it's been it's been a really really awesome ride and being able to have fun and laugh but then also have really great educational uh including myself uh experiences throughout it i think that's for me that's what it's all about what what other stories are you trying to tell with the Alive series? What what, what where, where does this next season take us? You sort of obviously compost and you're talking shells. It's different from things you've done in the past. So what what what, where, what are the new stories you're trying to tell? Right now, you know, we have a couple of new shows coming up that we have never we've never made before that are that are really exciting. Uh, you know, so but like for it's alive again, everything is just really kind of affected by by the covid stuff you know it's really difficult so what we're trying to do now is we can have some zoom meeting you know zoom conversation you know cooking kind of things where we cook together with chefs from around the world or something like someone doing you know a guy doing something really neat in japan or something who you know who's, who happens to speak english too and we can like cook together or whatever it is you know what i mean so like things like that or it sounds crazy but it's even like can I get a camera crew to come with me to a vertical farm, indoor farm in, in New Jersey? Uh, right now it's like, sp like spotty. Like, uh, you know, I don't even know if we could do that right now. So it's like, that's the biggest challenge. The variation, the variety of what you do is phenomenal, right? I mean, it, I, when I say phenomenal, I mean, it really, you could jump from hunting pigs to in a wide of shooting pheasant to talking about compost to, I mean, you're really, it's what you could say it's really jumping around. There is definitely a theme as in, you know, it's, it's incredibly educational what you're doing. Do you bounce ideas off people? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and think, cry, I've got to go, to, I've got to go and do this thing. I've heard about these people in Hawaii who have a certain way of killing war or what, you know, who, are you kind of given ideas to, or who, who, who thinks up what you, what you do? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's um, it kind of just comes organically, you know. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; we, I have a great, uh, a couple producers and an editor, uh, uh, you know, who and, and you know, a team that's, you know, we they know where my head's at, and you know, not every single idea is mine, you know. Like the oyster one, 
that's been something that's been on my mind. And I've known them guys and been trying to do that for a while. I forgot about it. And then like, just like literally organically, the one producer, Kara and, and, and Matt, uh, they brought it up and like, Hey, you ever hear a billion? And I was like, perfect. So it's just like, we're, uh, there's a few of us that have been working together for quite a little bit of time now. And like, you know, it's like a, like anything, you can kind of have a relationship that we're kind of synced up a little bit, but for the most part, to answer your question, it's, a. Uh, it's stuff that I'm interested in. And like, you know, given that there is, I am interested in a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff. It's easy to get excited about a lot of topics. And especially, you know, especially when you have just say like, you know, all right, I'm really into green rocks that are made blah, 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 uh, organically and fermented this way. Then, you know, the team can help me chisel out something I've never heard of before as well. But for the most part, you know, it's really a good, a lot of them are just, uh, relationships that I have and made and word of mouth and and just it's been great like the Hawaii, like folks in Hawaii it's just like it's talking to people and then uh, you know we've done some blind calling and as it's gotten more popular and as I you know uh, my network of friends and and popularity in ways it has grown um, you know the ability to make connections and networks has really developed too and it's it's phenomenal I love it. Do people contact you then on sort of social media and things like that and say? Brad, we've got a story for you. Come and check out our farm, our thing, our people, our, our beer, or we'll love to teach you how to make this and come and do a show on us kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, not so much like come make a show on us, but just like, I just always use social media and just everyday life. It just as a very welcoming, positive, uh, you know, a lot of people are just, they, I've learned a lot from fans, you know, there's a lot of folks who are just, just like, you know, are just smart people too, you know, and, uh, you know, people write in, you know, suggestions and tips and, and new music and new types of foods and restaurants and like, you know, sometimes really stupid shit, but like for the most part, like really good stuff. It's been a really positive experience. And I, you know, I think that's partially due to that's the kind of energy I like to be and put out as well. I'm curious about changing sort of gears a little bit here, but when it comes to just the sort of the whole alive food concept, I mean, what are the benefits behind sort of alive foods. I, I'm curious to know, because right? there's clearly a sort of a bit of a movement happening now. Uh, yeah. you know, tell us about that, if you know. Yeah, so I'll give you what I, a little bit of what I do know. Um, is that, you know, when you start to ferment foods, you're basically starting the decomposition process, right? So it's just, we're really doing a controlled rot. Sometimes we add a little salt or, or you know, the natural process itself in certain atmospheres can choke out bad like uh, bad bacterias and bad funguses but uh, for the most part we're kind of just doing a controlled rot uh and you know as you probably know a good percentage of what makes up our gut and our i mean this is another rabbit hole of information is you know the gut biome and the diversity of gut biome in your stomach and how it's related to your mental health and your you know and and your physical health your immune system and your you know just your nutritional consumption so having foods that are already starting to be broken down and converted in certain ways that they do believe can contribute to a, a better diet and we've been doing it for so long uh you know before this little bubble of uh recently introduced technology refrigerators etc you know, uh, our bodies evolutionarily have been doing the same shit for you know quite a lot longer. So I don't think our bodies have caught up to not consuming it yet. Well, that's a that's a good one, Brad. That is. Do you know something that leads me to think of the story I heard a few years ago about in Spain when when you in fact when you die, you know the villages in Spain 
you'll basically put in, you know, they find a little crypt, you'll put in the family little crypt bit, you'll put in a shelf down there and you're you're left to deteriorate, you know, you're left to um to rot effectively. Yeah. And then at a certain point your your bones are taken out and they're then buried, interred. You make way basically for the next rally, your great your grandson, whatever, you know, and, and so it goes on. These crypts have been around for Anyway, they've got a new problem. As I heard this about, I don't know, about five years ago, they've got this new problem. It's playing. There's so much preservative at the moment in the food we eat on a daily basis, like in whatever we're eating, that that whole decomposition is not taking place anymore. And actually what's happening is, is they're finding that, that they're not able to move these bones out of the crypt after a certain period of time because bodies are it's basically mummification, internal mummification. So we're not actually rotting down. So the bodies that they would normally, after a certain period of time, move out, they can't because they haven't rotted down. The reason they haven't is because they're full of, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I mean- it, It's alive! Something, what we're, well, no, what we take, what is preserved, it's like mummification entirely. It's the opposite of what- It's a whole what, new show, Brad. It's called It's right. Preserved. And, and we're gonna <laughs> well, do it's, it. It's, <laughs> good luck no, with that one, I'll watch. But you know, that, that I, haven't, I haven't quite heard of that one, but I, you know, it's, Fascinating, and I want you know. I wonder if it's you know due to, like you were saying. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they what they think it was. Whether it's you know, uh, uh, but having maybe that you know when you when your body does have an unhealthy gut biome, you know, bad things happen. And if over time, you know, and this is something I've read too. When you die, a healthy gut has a balance of good and bad bacteria, and so a good percent, a, a large percentage of those bacteria are the ones that want that you need to break your body down. And if you eat really bad, yeah, you, need to, you need to feed those a little bit, but not enough. It's like a big balance thing. Uh, stay with me. But uh, so when you, when you go off the rails with that, which is sounding like what maybe is happening a lot to a lot of folks, it just gets uh, out of whack and maybe your body can't break down the way it naturally would. That's, that's my Mezcal theory uh, explanation. I was going to say, I was going to ask, what, what, what are the dangers of eating live food? Is there other, I mean, there's going to be clearly, as we, we you know, we, we talk about the sort of the, the, the upside potentially of eating things that are fermented or, you know, whether it's the sourdough starters or kombucha or certain things, but there's got to be a, a downside, a negative, dangerous side to the things that are perhaps right on the edge, no? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, there's certain, you know, precautions you need to, for sure, keep it, you know, with, with certain types of fermentations. And there are dangers of, of bad bacteria and growths and funguses and, uh, you know, and, you know, and not all, not every cat head of cabbage is the same thing, right? You need to, if you get one that's got some really funky stuff in it and you just do it anyway or don't see it or don't, well, I don't know. And there's, or, you know, certain things like putting garlic in oil is just a really, dangerous way uh, you know garlic and oil over time is just like kind of like one of the most easiest ways to kind of get botulism i've been told but you know like but for the most part there's I, no one's really taught me much other than myself and friends and the community you know a little bit you know, as the community grows a bit you know uh but like it, there's just a lot of there's a few basic principles uh, of lacto fermentation which you'd be surprised i guess you know people have been doing it for a very long time and if you know putting salt with cucumbers and some garlic and peppercorns in a in a jar uh, was going to kill you, and you know we we'd know about it a long time ago to not do it. I think so. Like hey, for the most part, not you know I think it should be taken seriously. And if you are, you know, if anyone is listening who wants to get into fermentation, definitely get you know do a little bit more research than you know what the hell I'm talking about. 
But, uh, you know, for the most part, I think it's pretty safe. You know, 2% salt by weight or one and a half is usually a good uh, good rule of thumb. And uh, keep the garlic out of oil. And uh, What is it about the garlic in oil? Because that's something which I've seen. I mean, I've seen that sold in like Willem's Sonoma. I mean, a sort of bottle of oil with garlics floating in it. Is that actually a dangerous uh, thing then? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe they figured out some way to like pasteurize it or something horrible. But uh yeah, like a unpasteurized. So basically, botulism. You know, um, it's everywhere, right? You know, it's uh, it's it's in dirt. It's probably on this thing, and uh, probably on my keyboards, or I don't know. It's you know, it's all over the place. Point being, uh, when you put it in an anaerobic environment like oil, and it's on garlic, like it does well on garlic. You know, when you put it in a, a, a anaerobic environment over time, that's when that gives off a a, a bad toxin that becomes a dangerous thing. So. I kind of just stay away from anaerobic. But like at the same time, it's like you could put garlic in honey. Like or it's gotta be like oil. Like garlic and honey I ferment and it's a fantastic product that's or it's medicinal and delicious. And it's just garlic in honey fermented at room temperature, which you would think would be an anaerobic environment, but there's a little oxygen in it and there's a little bit of moisture that's in there as well. And it, it makes a enough of a pH in a solution to where it's not. It's not it's not enough of a, a an atmosphere to I haven't figured out how to become sick from it yet. I love the fact that you you know you you sort of there you are as a guy I'm the Jersey boy and I don't know what I'm talking about to like all of a sudden breaking down the science that you went all science on me I, you could have had a white coat on and I would have been like yes Fred <laughs> you way above my pay grade but I, I love that that's very interesting and and I, I think that's it also sort of shows just how dangerous it can be but also how I guess with when it comes to food in general, how much on a knife edge so much of it is, you know, as far as getting it right, getting it wrong. I mean, we've all, you know, many, most of us experience food poisoning at some stage in our life, right? But at yeah, the same and, time- and sorry, and at the same, and, and it probably wasn't due to fermentation. It was probably and like food safety is. I'm glad you brought that up because like food safety is one is 100 a very serious and real and very clear sign, you know. Things bad bacteria in certain time frames grow. It's like uh, what is it? It's like forty degrees and one hundred and forty. You know, you got to be under that or over that uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, I, I believe those are the numbers. Um, but anyway, something like that, where bad things can grow. So if you want to keep something hot for a long time and have it be safe in a restaurant, a restaurant can know these things, and you know, a good place uh, and are tested, you know, or should be, and uh, and then they know the safety zones uh, and. And that's how you can, you know, that's how people get sick. It's usually, I think most people get food sick. What I've been uh, read or been told is from like salads and, and rice and things like that, where it just kind of sits in like, dangerous temperatures for a long time and bad things can kind of, you know. Rice and salads, they are the bane of our existence, Brad. I, I, you know well, I, I love rice. You watch it, man. I love it. Hey, it's the I, best. I, I'm married to a Chinese woman, so I have more rice than you can imagine. And uh, <laughs> we, you know, having rice sitting around, you, trust me, we are, we know all about that too. Um, anyway, you know, you're, it's funny that you should say that because that's something which we always talk about: how sitting rice can be literally deadly. And, 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 you know, people don't, they don't realize, you think, oh, I'm going to package that, I put that rice away, I made too much, and you eat it for the next sort of week, and then someone gets sick. And actually, you, yeah, absolutely right, that's where it, where it starts. Curious, love to know your take, because obviously with fermentation, sugar comes in. We've had a lot of top chefs and, and nutritionalists on Shaken and Stirred, bizarrely enough, uh, over, the, over the past year or so, 
uh, talking about sugar and what have you and, and how sort of evil sugar is, yet it's a big part of fermentation. What's your take well, on sugar? not really. I mean, you don't really need sugar. A lot of the sugars you need in for most fermentation projects I do, I don't add sugar to it. I mean, I do some weird things where I do like big sugar, heavy kind of syrupy fermented weird things. Uh, but for the most part, it's fruits, vegetables uh, with a little bit of salt, some spices, and it's their own juices, their own liquids, their own sugars within it. I mean, cabbage has sugar, right? Uh, carrot has sugar. So that's enough fuel, sugar being fuel for the microorganisms to eat uh, and give off uh good benefits and also bubbles and you know things like that um so yeah so i don't really uh, sugar is evil man sugar's poisonous as hell uh oh there's a young and i'll watch my mouth i have children as well uh, i can see him in the yeah, for the, for the folks listening this is a, a video tom has a child in the background so family video from now on brad <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i agree with all the chefs and bartenders and whomever you've been chatting with, I mean, I think it is, it's pretty proven at this point. It's pretty, pretty damn bad for you uh, to be consuming a lot of sugar, you know, some more than others, but. No, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. So in one of your episodes, you talk about, you, you make beer. Well, no, not really, man. Uh, I, you know, I've made beer a couple of times. Uh, I've made beer. I've watched some really good beer makers make beer. I've made some pretty mediocre, relatively, I mean, kind of bad beer myself. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I've made some wine. I've made some decent wine. I've made some really bad wine. Uh, I guess my point is, though, Brad, would you consider, I mean, look, someone like yourself in the fermentation business type of thing with your show, you know, you, we, we last, you know, last episode, we had a guy called Michael Myers on and he makes whiskey and he's done extremely well with his um, 291 distillery. He, he makes his whiskey, obviously, from beer, from the fermentation process. But would you ever get into the alcohol business yourself? Are you interested in creating your own beer, your own whiskey, your own gin, I don't know, your own mezcal? Yeah, I can get into all types of stuff, man. I mean, that, sound, that sounds great, you know? Uh, maybe one day, you know? It's just like, man, I got so many hobbies and ideas and things going on. It's like, so at some point, you need to just like pick four of them and do them well. Uh, but man, I tell you what, just for fun, I've been always, you know, a buddy of mine back in the day in Brooklyn, we were trying to put together a little still and we were going to try making a little booze or something. And, you know, we never ended up doing it. But like the idea of making a little a little type of alcohol or spirit or, yeah, I mean, like a, I'm like I said, I'm currently I'm looking that we're, we're, we're going to be buying a home uh, pretty soon uh, and up in coastal Connecticut, nice farmhouse with some land and some a really nice. I'm in the gardening and, and growing things. And, and so is my wife. So yeah, I think we're gonna be able to make little ciders. I buy you know and little little weird kind of alcoholic, you know, like Italian grandpa, like say, uh, in the in the barn kind of type of booze. Uh, yeah, there's gonna be some residential booze being made for sure. And at some point, you know, I'm a video guy and I want to make my own videos with Bon Appetit, obviously, and then also with you know with some of the other channels and, and brands that then kind of asked with maybe architectural digest or even videos for myself. And yeah, one day let's make some uh, spirits or some wine. Yeah, you can film anything. <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking forward to that moment and I want to see you back. I, would you even, would you even consider an alive restaurant concept? <laughs> uh, I, mean, I was I thinking about it. I guess just to just to just to give it some background. I was thinking about it. I was thinking I make how much food's out there. I'm looking at what you're doing, and I was like, you know what? I need to pitch to Brad the 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 dead yeah. the dead and alive 
restaurant. You know, a, a restaurant idea would be great. You know, uh, it would have to be the right package if we're going to be on. You know what I mean? Am I trying to open up a restaurant? And especially right now, it's such a difficult time for restaurants. It's you know, it's 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 crazy. You know, especially, especially I don't, I that, fermentation, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it was just, I mean, it would work. The idea of a restaurant, and I would love to be a part of one and help develop the concept and the space and the recipes and the and the menus and stuff. But like, I'm not trying to work the line these days, you know. Uh, you know, if the right opportunity were to come along and I could be a part of it for sure. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I you know, I can. For me, I, I have a bunch of other ideas and dreams and projects uh, that I would put before opening a restaurant. But if but if something came up and it and it made it made a lot of sense, and you know we could do a really awesome approachable restaurant or like a couple locations, and you know and it was really awesome food that was in house made sauerkraut and mustard to go with the sausages. Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I just don't want to. I just don't want to work there every day. <laughs> I can see it now, though. Wanted, dead and alive. Perfect. I mean, like, call us because we'll figure this out with you. This is something we need to do, Brad. <laughs> creative, unless you unless you have a dump truck full of money, uh, creative isn't really the issue. I know dump <laughs> trucks of money. That's more that, that's that's more than New Jersey Italian than than, than it is me. But um, <laughs> before we let you go, we have something called last orders, which is a sort of rapid fire question, Brad. I'd love to sort of see how you do with this. It's it's always a bit fun to sort of how, see how people react. Here we go. In the movie of your life, Brad, who would you have play you? Someone very handsome. Do they, do they have to be alive? They do not have to be alive, unlike your show. Paul Newman, maybe. Let's get Paul. Absolutely. He looks good in a mustache. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Why not? I was going to say Tom Selleck, but he's a bit old. But that'd be young Tom Selleck. Um, yeah, yeah, wherever. Maybe we'll find some new young talent, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, j just coming up. You know, uh, you know who? I mean, I, I don't know. Is there other other YouTubers with mustaches and little hats? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really watch much. <laughs> okay. Ingredient. Name me an ingredient you would never use. Never is a tough word. Uh, an ingredient I don't really ever use is uh, is white pepper. Although I feel like in maybe another five years or so, I'm going to have like a change of heart and get like really into it or some shit. I've had a bad attitude about white pepper for a very long time. Decades. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. I, I don't really like white pepper. I don't think anyone does. It's funny you should say that. It's, I mean, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I hate white pepper too. People love it, Nigel. But what is white pepper, for God's sakes? The opposite of black peppercorn, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. I've, well, and I've seen red peppercorn. Actually, Bream. I gotta say, I cooked, some, I, love. I cooked some sea bream a couple of days ago and from an Italian cookbook, a northern Italian cookbook, and probably the only time I've ever seen it, but I had I was instructed to use white pepper. Yeah, no, some folks love it. Hey, and I'm not judging. And like I said, I might be wrong. Northern Italians obviously do. I think French, French cuisines, a lot of people a lot, a lot of a lot of cuisines use it. I'm gonna get into it. What the hell? This is a good conversation. There you go. What floats your boat and gets your goat? I like nature. I mean, you know, a beautiful day in, uh, in outdoors. And what goats me or uh, what, what don't I like? I don't like seeing garbage outdoors. When people go on a hike and all of a sudden, you know, uh, oh, hey, I'm having, a, um, I'm having a seltzer. I'm having a whatever. And thought, oh, you know what? This is beautiful. And just thought I'd leave my garbage here. That really uh, pisses me off. That really gets me going. Really goats me. Really, really chaps me up, you know? There you go. I like the goats me. 
I've never heard of the adjective to goat me, but I, no, I'm probably using it incorrectly. No, it's perfect. I, it's the new definition of how you use that word is now done by Bradley. I love it. It's perfect. Oh, no. Your dream meal. What is your dream meal? If it was your last meal on earth, what would it be? Whatever I was craving at the time, and I didn't have to cook it. Like a really good bowl of ramen or something. Bowl of ramen. That would be uh, what it would be. Really, like ripping hot and perfect. Like, like, put, like put it down. It's time to go. Business. We're going to crank this thing down, but, and then let's get. But let's you get said this over if with. someone else cooks it, can we gain from that that you don't like cooking? No, I cook all the time, and like so for like, I, I guess what I was getting out of that is it is nice to just have. Whether it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or uh, a bowl of ramen or, you know, whatever. I just hope that your wife listens to this podcast. Oh, I uh, tell her all the time. She hasn't really cooked that much. So final question, shaken or stirred? <laughs> I guess um, we're going to do, sh- well, yeah, let's do shaken. <laughs> I like the let's do. Let's do it, Brad. We're going to do a shake. Mine is uh, that kind of drink. That's how you make this one. So it's a, it's a shaker. Oh, sorry, son. Here we are. I love it. It's a family affair all around on all sides. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't really end well unless you had your family in there too. Like there is little Vince listening away. Little Vince. Um, you you have fans of all age groups, Brad. Thanks so much for coming on Shaken and Stirred for mixing it up, for explaining Alive. And uh, we we look forward to opening Dead and Alive restaurants with you all over the world. <laughs> call me when you got that dump truck of money, Nigel. We'll open it right up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to call my friends um, uh, in New Jersey <laughs> and, and just drive that dump truck right over, and we'll get going. Um, good luck with everything. Everybody check out the show, It's Alive with Brad, uh, on YouTube. It's all part of the Bon Appetit series. And um, mate, good luck with everything. I know it's hard in in this pandemic, but you are keeping it real and you are still keeping the dream alive, which we appreciate. Thank you for from all of us. Guys, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast talking with you guys. And uh, yeah, we just really appreciate it. All the best. Take care, mate. All the best. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with a, another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.